All right, there we go. Okay, so we are we are back um, in the room. Sorry, you guys, I hit the wrong button and ended the 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 broadcast. I said instead of leaving, I hit <laughs> in meaning for all. So sorry, you guys. Um, so all right, let me see. The gospel is complete. All right, and now. All right, so let me put the presentation back up now. start okay can you see the presentation now yes okay awesome all right so we are <laughs> we're in there all right so i went through the course overview um and then uh let's see i, I didn't do that one but uh let me do this slide real quick and then i hop to back to where i was so it says now we're on the survey of, of the gospels where we will be taking the survey method of bible study and looking at the gospels so um and so that's what we're doing, the book survey method. Um, you're going to see that in action, okay, um, throughout this teaching here. So we are now zeroing in, zeroing in more to, into the Bible and taking a more literary approach to Bible study. That means we are going to look at the human author. We're going to learn about the original readers. We're going to learn about historical audience and the background situation. Okay, so that's what we were talking about, the importance of looking at um, the background. So we're going to be looking at the political, uh, the social, the geographical, Ge geographical background and all that that allows us that helps us to uh, set the scene and allow us to know what God was uh, was saying at that time and if he's saying anything today concerning what we're going to be reading okay so this is where we were at so um, we, we talked about learning more about the historical background um, learning about the political and religious and social setting of Jesus ministry um, we're also going to look at more about how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament covenant and the Mosaic law and learn about the literary and historic and thematic structure of each gospel book. So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay. For, um, let me make sure I, okay. Yeah. For point number two about the political setting, um, it's, it's very important to learn about the political setting because that's that's what is uh very heavy when looking at the 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 gospels we think um the religious part is very heavy actually the political part and we talked about it a little bit um in our previous class when when um i believe it was tammy and tracy did background research on the, the pharisees and the pharisees and the sadducees even though they were jewish sects they were religious sects they were also political sects as well so um and so uh jesus he dealt with a lot of political issues that they were going on at that time as well so that's important for us to to understand okay let's see here all right so let's go here so refresher 
of the lit of literary analysis. So the human author, remember, is the one who is writing the book. The original readers is one who the book is written to. So in this time here, the when we're looking at the Gospels, um, the time period that it falls in when they're um, when they're when when one is reading these letters, the the intent for the um, the author's intent for who the letter is written to, it was written between the time period of 70 to 90 AD. And the author, I think he gives an er, um, earlier date, um, but that, that's kind of the, the time period because that's when the persecution of the church began to happen. Um, the, the temple um, was destroyed and they were get, being pushed out of Rome during that during that period of time, okay? So um, Rome and Jerusalem, they were getting pushed out of, of that of that time. So it's important to, to understand what was going on during that time and why they wrote the letter, okay? So uh, we will go through each, each uh, book of the Bible to understand why um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why did, they, why did they write the letter? Where were they when they wrote the letter? Um, so with Matthew, you know, he wrote the letter to help the new believers to gain a defense on why they believed in Jesus Christ in the first place. And so he wanted to, to start from the beginning of his life to the, to the end of his life, showing that Jesus was king. And so, um, so that's, that's important to know because how Mark wrote the book is totally different from how Matthew wrote the book. Mark wrote the book to show that he was the son of God. Okay, so he had a different, he had a different approach of looking, looking at scripture, whereas Luke wanted to just give an account of this, this great man of God. Okay, and so, yeah, so uh, then uh, John, he, he wanted to write the letter to give, um, to give a defense to the newly believers. And so, uh, so people, they, uh, so the, the authors, they have their different intents on why they wrote the book, okay? And so the next thing is the historical audience, who the book was written about. Um, so this timeline here um, is basically the, the gospel start with the birth of Jesus, except John, because John, well, we'll talk about John. John's a different, different type of book, but uh, it talks uh, about the, the birth of Jesus Christ, which is uh, between 6 BC, and then he, his death and his ascension to heaven occurred around 30 AD. So that is the time period of the Gospels that we're going to be looking at, okay? So the genre of the New Testament. So genre means type of literature, okay? Or type, it means type. And so when studying the New Testament, um, you have to understand what type of literature you are studying at that time. So the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are considered historical books, okay? So the primary purpose of um, history is to give a record of what happened, okay? So that is what the gospel books are. It's giving us a record of what's happening at that time. Also the book of Acts. The book of Acts is considered a historical book as well. So when you are looking at different genres of literature, um, they have different rules of interpretation. So you, you're not supposed to, it, you, you must be careful when looking at historical uh, genre uh, when you're interpreting it, because a lot of the times it's just giving you an account 
more than giving you an instruction, okay? So that's something that we have to really be mindful of when we're looking at the Gospels, okay? The epistles um, are letters, okay? That's what uh, epistles mean, it means letters. So the primary purpose is to in, in, uh, is instructions for the church, okay? This is where we receive our instructions, okay? The, the letters, the teachings of Paul, this is where we um, get our instructions. Now, Paul, what he is doing, he is expounding on Jesus's teachings, okay? Because we have to remember when Jesus came on earth, he was sent only to the household of Israel, the lost sheep to the household of Israel. So his audience was Israel. Okay, remember we talked about the progressive plan of salvation. First, it was, the salvation was offered to Israel. And so Jesus' teachings were, were to Israel. Uh, a lot of his teachings were in response to uh, modern day teaching that were going on at that time. Teachings of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, and other types of teachings that were going on. He was responding to that uh, because they took the law and just went haywire with it. And so Jesus was bringing it back into perspective. And so what Paul was doing was taking the teachings of Jesus that meant to be for, for the Israels, those who were under the law, he expounded, he, he took it, he explained the, uh, the law and how it was good. But right now we are under the new covenant and this is what Jesus meant about, uh, about the new covenant. And so uh, he expounds a lot on Jesus' Jesus's teachings, okay? So this is why it's important to understand what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels and, and, and connecting that bridge to what does that mean for the church, okay? And, um, and so uh, another genre in the New Testament is prophecy. So the only book um, in the New Testament that is considered prophecy is revelation, okay? So this is the primary purpose of prophecy is to hear God's perspective of life in prophetic utterances, okay? And so this is where we understand the, uh, the consummation kingdom, because the, the, there's two aspects of the kingdom that we're gonna be talking about. And the second aspect is the consummation. That's when we're looking at the millennial, uh, millennial period. That's when we're looking at eternity and things like that. That's what Revelation is, is, is talking about, okay? After we are raptured, he's talking about, uh, he's giving both scenes, uh, what's going on in heaven and scenes that's going on on earth and things like that. So, uh, so that's something to, to keep in mind as well. So this is what I mean by genre, okay? The different rules of interpretation. We'll get more into that later. Um, the format and structure of the New Testament, okay? So the Gospels are considered the New Covenant Instituted, okay? Um, so this is when, the, when, when Jesus is releasing the New Covenant on earth. He's opening the door uh, for salvation first for the Jews, okay? So this is when it was instituted, okay? Um, it was instituted, it started when Jesus uh actually jesus started instituting that's what let's just say uh jesus started instituting the new covenant after his baptism okay now why am i saying after his baptism because that's when he started his ministry okay that's when he uh uh for that for the next three years began to teach on 
the kingdom, the new covenant, okay? Those are, the, those are the things that he was teaching about during that time. Acts is the new covenant proclaimed. That's when it was released to the world, okay? Um, epistles are new covenant explained. That means it's explained to, to the church. Um, and then the revelation is new covenant fulfilled. And that's when we begin to see the fulfillment of actually all the covenants um, that are out there. So I, I encourage you, um, to make sure you're always looking at the teachings of the covenants that we did, okay? Um, learn about the, uh, the, the, the new covenant. Read um, Jeremiah 31 and Ezekiel 34, how um, God, he was saying, he's saying that he was um, done with Israel, that he will, he will start raising up a people where he will write the word, uh, his word on their hearts, and so th this is the time that uh, God was explaining to the prophets that the new covenant is about to come on the scene. And so um, this is something that you, you want really keep in mind, okay? What is a testament? Testament um, is a technical classification given to identify the main sections of the Bible. So it is not a biblical term. It is a Christian concept, okay? Because we that's how we divide the Bible. We say the Old Testament and the New Testament. And many of us in our, our church experience, we believe that the Old Testament is the Old Covenant and the New Testament is the New Covenant. And that's not right, okay? When we say New Testament, it does not mean new covenant per se, because in the gospels, they, are, they were still under the law. Okay, somebody tell me, when did the new covenant uh, begin to take, take place? When did it officially start? When Jesus died. When Jesus died, when he shed his blood. That's when the new covenant start, okay? And that's something we need to really keep in mind when we're looking uh, at Jesus's teachings because he's still teaching under the law, okay? All righty. Um, any questions about what I've said so far or comments? I, I have a question. Sure. Um, it's not a question, I guess, just for some clarity, because we said that the new gospel started when Jesus died. Mm -hmm. well, what was that? Well, because when he died, you know, he went below. Because uh, when, when Mary, when, when Mary and him went to the tomb and was looking for him and they encountered him and he said, don't touch me. I had not ascended. Uh did the did the new covenant start when he when at the point of his when he died, or did it start when he went before the Father in accepting the you know when when he when he went before the when he went before the Father, and uh, uh and, and and God was satisfied with everything that was done, because it wasn't until when he came back that he then be, went before Doubting Thomas and said then he you could that he, that he was allowed to touch him. So I'm just trying to see that was the covenant was did the covenant was it established at the point of his death when the blood was shed. Uh, I know it was that's part of the covenant, or, or was it to when uh, he ascended before he came back, uh, um, um, and he went before the Father in the acceptance of the of that work that was done. 
Yeah, that's part of that's part of the new covenant. So it actually started when that veil was ripped in the temple. So that's a sign. That's a symbol that, uh, as far as going going to God, going before God, we don't need to have a priest. We don't need we don't uh, need to have anybody to to go before us. That Jesus did that. Jesus is, is now doing that. He sits in that seat or whatnot. So when that veil was torn, there's a, there's a lot of symbols that that will uh that describes the the covenant being instituted the death on the cross the shedding of the blood the 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 veil being ripped um when you when you were talking about him uh, uh going before the father that is just the the very beginning of the institute i mean the covenant being instituted okay so yeah that's all it all plays a part of okay. that or whatnot but actually when that veil was ripped that is the the institution of the covenant so at the point in time when the roman soldier pierced his side because they're trying to say at that point when the when the side of jesus was pierced by that by that spear that was at the time that uh the veil in the temple was rent is that mm -hmm. true or no yeah 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 so they're saying yeah that that time frame yeah they're saying that's exactly um that that what happened that okay. when he was when he was stabbed in his side, when he died on the cross, uh, when it got dark, you know, they said it was an earthquake, and that's when the veil was ripped. Mm -hmm. Yep, during that whole. And I know when Mary at the tomb in the garden when he said told her when she said Rabona when she went to go for he said do not touch me because I have yet ascended, I have yet went before the Father, so I was I was just trying to figure that in terms of just getting wrapping my mind around at the establishment at the establishing of the new of that covenant was it actually when the blood was shed even though it was a part of it i know that or mm -hmm. was it until he went before the father that uh, uh to accept what he had done and it didn't pacify god it satisfied him and then you know it's just like you know the sample he went before the father even representing us in the finished work of his of his um of his crucifixion but i was just wondering are we saying that it was sealed then it was okay then or was it at the point that the new testament took effect when the blood was shed okay i'm going to have to look at that scripture that you are uh referencing um i have a question about that too yeah go ahead at the last supper when he did the um the communion well he you know he said this is the new covenant in my blood right when he told the disciples so like some theories say that that was the instituting of it of the new covenant but it i guess it wasn't actually until the blood was shed yeah that was a right. representation right right but i mean we it, it required i mean because we got a kind of and i think i'm saying this right we look to Jesus was fulfilling what was, and even when we look in the old covenant on how they shed blood and things of that nature, when it, it required that blood sacrifice. And even if we compare what you just said concerning um, Jesus said, this is my, you know, this is my body, which is broke for you. This is the new covenant and all this kind of stuff. He was basically almost like foreshadowing what he was about to do. So he could talk about it all day, but until it's done, we were not ushered 
into a new era. You get what I'm saying? Or a new covenant until it was done. And once it was done, and that's why she's saying once the blood was shed and the temple rent and all these things, we were in the new covenant. And so then I think uh, mother is almost taking it a little further and 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 what even elder camille is saying here is like all these things happened but as they were happening we were still in this new covenant it wasn't like okay this is a quote-unquote intertestamental period after he died and then once he get to heaven finally we're in the new covenant it was like he had already did what he was going to do once his blood was shed on the cross like that's what we were waiting for for him to be slain. And then everything began to happen to establish this new covenant. Right, yep, thank you, thank you, that was good. So everybody un kind of understand that? I hope so. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think because I'm I'm sitting here reading reading the scripture that that you were uh, you were mentioning, um, mm -hmm. and so you were saying uh, I don't want to I don't want to hold up the class, but you were saying that uh, did the work did the new covenant uh, start uh, when he went to the Father? Um, it says, "Do not hold from me, for I have not sent it to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them I'm sending to my Father." So it's it's part it's, it's still in that beginning stages of the new covenant and so it's still like the actual like i said the actual start is with the shedding of the blood and then that's when all of these events started taking taking place and so it was it's still part of the new covenant so it wasn't the start it was the 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 sign that when that we're not looking for is not the fact that he went to the father to get approval because he because when when uh, when he uh, shed his blood, that was the approval from God, because that was the main reason why he went or whatnot. And so he, like you said, he went to to the Father, but that wasn't the sign that 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 we need to look for as far as the the starting of the new covenant. I hope that makes sense of what I just said. Uh, the the sign that we needed to look for was the shedding of the blood. Because remember, in the old covenant, they needed they needed bulls, they needed to to sacrifice animals, the shedding, the atonement of sins. Now Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, the atonement of sins. So that that is technically that is the start of the of the new covenant. That you don't need no more bulls, you don't need no more uh, animals to be slain for the atonement of sins. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're looking for. So are you saying that? Um... The new, the new covenant start obedience took place. Say that again. You were breaking up. I'm sorry. So you're saying that basically the new covenant started once obedience was done. Once obedience. Yes, once, once the finished work. Yep. Once the finished work was completed, that's when the new, the new covenant started. Well, it became finalized when he took his seat. Once he finally sat down on the right hand of the father, I guess that finalized everything that was rotating in all of that and established in the new covenant. So yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can say that. I think, uh, I think it's all about, it's, I think it's all about word choices because we keep trying to say starting and finalizing. But right. Right. The goal is we were ushered into this new covenant 
because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, it was done right then and there. You know, it we was able, and uh, uh, yeah, and so yeah, and I like it because we're talking about beginning and all this kind of stuff. You know, like he at that point technically, uh, he went, he went back to the Father at that point to sit in a place that he was already sitting since mm-hmm. before time began. Anyway, right. you know right. what I mean? So it was. You know, it was just the start of it for us to be ushered into a new era, you know. So, yeah, him going to heaven, we could say it finalized it, but it was done. You know, it was there wasn't no coming back. Oh, God, there's a time period. Jesus got to hurry up and get to heaven so that we could oh, get this thing done. Like it was it was done. And, and, and you know, it was the beginning of a thing, but it wasn't. It was what we needed so that we could go forward. And then Elder Camellia was comparing it to the old covenant. And um, to me, even when looking at the tabernacle of Moses and this sacrifice they had to do for sins, that was at one place, but there was still, you had to go a little further to get into the holies of holies and stuff like that. And so it's like, listen, we're at the beginning of this thing, but we're in this thing. We're not you know, we're not waiting for all this stuff to go on to say we're in the new covenant. Once he died, we was in the new covenant. It was established. It was done. And what he had already done before the foundations of the world was now established in earth. Well, I, I understand that the, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world and everything was done even before it was done. What I was trying to do and wrap my mind around is looking at it from the perspective that Elder Camellia has taken us from a historical, chronological perspective. And that's where I was headed in terms of order. Not so much uh, uh, when it was done, how it was done. We know it was done. But my thing is following her from the perspective of historical events, chronologically. So I'm just trying to, when she was putting those pieces there, then I'm trying to follow, okay, uh, historically, did this happen? The next thing, did that happen? So I think we kind of just okay. talked a little bit further. Than I got you. I got you. Yeah. I got you. And, and that's why I'd say what I said as far as it started there and it was already, and that's why I said too, like it's, I think it's a word thing that we're saying, trying to, is this the start? Is this the finish? Are we doing this? Like, has it, you know, was it started at this point? And I think we had established from the get-go, like, once the blood was shed, we was in this new covenant, you know? And then in that order, you guys established a long time ago of the things that happened, you know, was a part of that order in what happened. But it had already happened. I'm talking about, I'm not even going back to the very beginning. I'm saying it had already happened once he died. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) So I hope everybody kind of got an understanding of uh, what we were uh, putting together or, or whatnot. So there were events that took place after the shedding of the blood, um, after that um, covenant was instituted, that kind of just confirmed that the new covenant is in play. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that because actually the, after um, I think the third week, we're going to look in, uh, we're going to look at, we're going to look at that even more, the new covenant 
and uh, the establishment of it. So more of these uh, questions that we have uh, is going to be answered. Okay, so definitely keep those questions in mind. So when we come into come up to it, you will uh, we'll talk about it again. Okay. All right. Yeah. I just want to say real quick that um, I'm glad that you brought it up because uh, my understanding, you know, that the covenant had happened uh, before that and I didn't know that it um, was after he died. So mm -hmm. I have a good understanding now that it didn't happen. And it makes sense. It, it makes a whole lot of sense okay. that it didn't happen. The new covenant didn't happen until after he died because he basically, you know, was dying for our sins, mm -hmm. you know, so once he died, then that's when it went forth. Right. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree. I agree with that. Um, because they, we think that while he's on earth, uh, during his preaching ministry, that was the new covenant, but he was actually just preaching about it. He, right. his, his, his thing was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he's, he's telling them like, okay, this, this new covenant is about to be on the scene. So yeah, he's, he's talking about it. And then, and then yes, when that, once that shed in the blood, boom, that's when it, that's when it started or whatnot. And so we're going to talk about uh, later on through some of these classes, the um, talk about um, the prerequisites of salvation uh, because those who were there on earth, while Jesus, so say you were, say, say you believed in Jesus Christ during the time that he was on earth and then you died before he died. Are you saved? So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about that. Cause I'm like, you have to believe in the, our, our salvation is the death, burial, resurrection. Well, you ain't see him die. So are you, are you saved? And so we're going to talk about the, uh, the prerequisites uh, for salvation was totally different for those who were on earth during Jesus's time versus our, our uh, prerequisites now. So we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and hop into the next, the next one. Uh, yep. I knew I was going to finish this. So I'm trying to be obedient on time, but we're going, we're going to see um, the intertestamental period. Now uh, we talked about this in a few classes, uh, and the Protestant, that's, that's the denominations that we're in now, that's called the Protestant. Um, they believe in the silent years. They believe in the dark ages. Um, they believe from Malachi to Matthew that they, it, Jesus, I mean, uh, God didn't speak at all. There was nothing really going on during that period of time. And, uh, but only the, the Protestant um, religion believed that. Catholicism and um, a few other um, religions under under that uh, they believe that uh, there were there were some activity that went on and there were some books that were written during that time and they were called the apocryphal books uh, and there are fourteen of them and so we've been learning I know past few classes we talked about um, that that period of time the four hundred years it was not silent. Um, that's when we, uh, during, during the beginning of that, of that period of time, that's when the second temple was built uh, by Zerubbabel. And then, then that's when the de desecration and the destruction of the temple, that's when they started uh, worshiping pagan gods in the temple. Um, that's when the Jewish revolt began to happen, that they wanted their temple back. 
And so that's when you um, hear about the Maccabean revolt. And then we talked a little bit about, uh, oh, it just slipped my mind. We talked about um, Herod and that time when he thought that he was the Messiah and he went on this whole rampage about that and he was converted to Judaism and all that stuff. And um, because of the Jews wanted their their temple back, um, they wanted to go back to what God established from the beginning, you got the different Jewish sects. You got the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Herodians. You got all these different Jewish groups that were established during that time and they wanted to get back to the law, okay? So all that happened during the intertestamental period. And because from Malachi, you don't, Malachi into the beginning of the book, beginning of the uh, Bible, you don't hear nothing about Pharisees and Sadducees. But those were the main group of people that Jesus was always arguing with. <laughs> and so we have to understand, like, where do they come from? And what do they believe in? So that happened during the intertestamental period, okay? Um, any questions about that? All righty, cool. Um, I'm going to touch a little bit on Christology. Um, next week, we're going to get um, into it um, a whole lot more. We're going to talk about the Trinity, the doctrine of Trinity and things like that, and where that, where that comes from, because uh, I hope you all know and understand that the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Okay, this was a doctrine that was written in about 325 AD uh, from from these bishops um, that Constantine put together at the Council of Nicaea, okay? That's gonna be in your, once you get your book, you're gonna uh, come across uh, these two councils called the Council of Nicaea and the Council of um, Chalcedon, okay? They established a lot of beliefs that we still believe in today, okay? So you want to understand where did these beliefs come from? Um, now, even though the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the concept of Trinity is. And so next week, we're going to look at, uh, look at that concept of Trinity and walk, walk through um, a few scriptures and things like that. So Christology is, uh, so what we're going to do in this um, next five to 10 minutes um, is learn more about how the church formed Christological doctrine from the patristic to the Reformation, to the modern periods of church history. So we're gonna look through history, give you a real quick snapshot of history. So the patristic times started uh, to 200, 200 AD and to modern, the modern period, uh, it goes to like 1790 or something like that. So we're gonna kind of give you a snapshot of their beliefs on, on, on Jesus Christ because that was the main question during that time. Like, who is Jesus Christ? Like, who is he? And um, there were a lot of different gospels out there um, concerning, um, concerning who Jesus was, okay? Let me pull up my notes here. Yep, here it is. Okay. So Christology just means a study of the person of Jesus Christ. Okay. So let's look at this scripture here. It says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us, among us just as they were handed down 
uh, to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, I just decided to write an orderly account. So this is the purpose of Luke, why he decided to start writing, uh, writing the book of Luke. Now, what, what's the other book that Luke wrote? Uh, didn't Luke write Acts also? Yes, yes. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Okay. And so that's something to, to uh, keep in mind because he's giving you an historical account on what was going on. And he did his research. He, he was like a reporter. He went to eyewitnesses and got their accounts on um, this person of Jesus Christ. Because um, Luke, you have to think about it. Luke wasn't there at the birth. So who do you think that Luke talked to to understood to uh to know about the events of his birth and childhood who do you think he talked to mary mary <laughs> and so uh and so he he talked to mary he talked to some disciples and things like that and uh he wrote this detailed account of jesus christ okay all right, so Christology is the systematic doctrine of teaching concerning the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's the first sentence on page nine in your intro book uh, that, that gives you the definition, okay? Uh, so there are several subtopics that falls upon, uh, let's see, that falls under this branch of theology. Um, the first one is preexistence, okay? Um, they could not they could not wrap their mind around that Jesus existed before he got on earth. They, 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 it was just too much for them to handle because he, he, he even told his disciples, he told them, he said, before Moses was, I am. And they're like, nah, you, you about our age, you about in your thirties. Like what you mean you were here before Moses. And so they, they couldn't, they couldn't understand that. Um, and so, uh, let's see here. Um, they were okay for God to pre-exist, but for his son to pre-exist, it just did not sit well with them, okay? Um, another one is eternality, okay? That he, like I said, he existed um, before the world began, that he was eternal, okay? They saw him in his flesh, and so they just could not wrap their minds around him being eternal, okay? Um, we looked at, we're going to look at Jesus Christ uh, through the Old Testament prophecies that he fulfilled them all, okay? All of these signs and all of the, the prophecies that um, the prophets spoke about the, the coming Messiah, Jesus fulfilled them all, okay? Um, the incarnation, okay? Um, what, see, what made it so hard for them to believe the fact that he was Mary and Joseph's son? They couldn't, they, they're like, no, you weren't born of the spirit. Like you, Joseph, you, Joseph's son, you marry, you marry son. And so it was very hard for them to, to understand that as well. Um, so he was the only begotten son born of the spirit without a sinful nature. Okay. Um, the fact that he was divinity, uh, the fact that he was humanity um, and see his death. His death was a stumbling block for them to believe. It was a huge stumbling block. Does anybody remember why his death was a stumbling block for them to believe? 
um, because they a, a number of them thought that he was going to be like a physical savior, like he was going to help them to overtake the Romans and live right. in the new kingdom. And so when he died, they were thinking, well, what have we been believing in all this time? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, what, let's, let's talk about how the way he died. How come they couldn't, they couldn't get with that? It was a criminal's death. Yes. And what does it say in the law? Cursed. Curse is what? Anybody who died upon that tree. That's right. Curse is any man. In Deuteronomy, it says, curse is any man who died on a tree. And they're like, not our savior. And so they, that, that right there was a huge stumbling block, but they, they did not understand that he had to be accursed. So he had to take on the curse of the world. He had to do that. And they could not, they could not understand that, okay? And the last was uh, resurrection. The fact that he was going to be resurrected did not fly well with the Jews. So how did Jesus deal with that last part of, uh, of, uh, of being resurrected for them uh, witnessing their resurrection? He knew, Jesus knew that no one would believe that I was resurrected. And so, and so in order for, for those uh, others to believe, those who had an eyewitness uh, account on Jesus Christ, they were sent out. This was the gospel, okay? This is the gospel that they preached. They preached about the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's, that's how he um, sent them out in that, in that manner. They were uh, witnesses uh, to his, his post-resurrection, okay? And so our... our um, testimony or our witness is different from those who witnessed him in acts one and eight okay they saw him they they were with him before he died and then they saw him after he died so their testimony is a little different but in john what is it john 20 it says that uh because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who did not see and yet believed okay so that's us Blessed are those who have not seen him, but still believe in him. That's who Jesus was talking about during that time. Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay. Let me read the rest of the slide. So almost from the beginning of the church age, a fierce debate began about the person of Jesus Christ. Um, in fact, the person of Jesus Christ is, is an essential element of what we, the church, believe to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Scripture itself confirmed this position through the writings of both the Pauline and general epistles, okay? So like I said, the question was always out there, like, who, who is Jesus Christ? Even Jesus asked of his disciples, who do men say that I am? Anybody remember that story? Tell me that story, if you remember, in the Bible. Um, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, mother. Oh, okay. Um, um, when he was asking the question, who did, who do men say that I am? And, um, uh, the disciples that I uh, was saying was some say you, you, this, you, some said you, that, and then it was Peter that then said that, um, you are the son of the living God and he said flesh and blood. And I told you about my father in heaven. So, 
uh, right then he was, um, I believe that he was inquiring, okay, you know, uh, uh, what is being said about me mm -hmm. until the, the death of disciples were with him, then who do you say I am? Right. Yeah. 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 And the key part is that is that flesh and blood did not reveal. And so that's that's the thing that we have to keep in mind that the only way for us to know who Jesus is, is not through flesh and blood, it's not through someone else, but it's Jesus Christ revealing himself in the spirit. OK, through the Holy Spirit is how we understand who Jesus is. OK, and so that's the that's uh, when we're when we're going to look at a lot of these uh, different gospel beliefs. That's an element that they were missing, that the Holy Spirit, even though he the Holy Spirit already revealed who Jesus was, they were taking that and adding to it. OK, we're going to talk. I think I think that's the next slide. They were taking what was being said, what was being preached, and they were adding to it. OK. Um, let me see here. Let me go to it. Yeah, that's the next one. Um, let me see. I have time. I have like a few more. I don't even know my end time, but let me read this. No, should I not? Uh, let me try to read this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just read it. So Paul said to the church of Galatia, if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Okay. We see the same position essentially reiterated by Paul to the church of Corinth when he said, if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you know, let them be a curse. And so, um, Paul, he put that warning out there because I'm going to say this last thing. And I think we're going to end on this note here. There were, um, different, there were various gospels out there being teeth, being taught. And so the first one is Judaizers. Okay. So these were the ones they believe in Jesus, Jesus, the Christ and the true son, but salvation, uh, is not solely in him. Okay, they believe that that wasn't enough. Instead, instead, he was the first step to salvation. So they called them the Jesus Plus group because they believed that he was the promised Messiah, but it was only the first step. They believed that you still must have the law. Okay, this is why Paul condemned them to hell in Galatians. Okay, so we even see that today in a lot of our denominations. Um, I put this note here. It says, be careful in today's time uh, that you need to, need to, uh, oh, okay, the post being, you need to know more in order to be saved. So if you believe in any kind of gospel that is not based on the so based solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, then you are not saved. People believe you got to be baptized to be saved. You got to speak in tongues to be saved and all this stuff. But that is not what scripture is saying. Okay. And you, and if you believe that, then you might want to look at your salvation. You might want to question it, uh, after, uh, going through, through this course here, because the, the, the only thing that you need in order to believe in the justification, uh, justification mode is that you have to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay. So the Judaizers, they have, they, uh, had infiltrate, infiltrated the Galatian church, they were in the process of perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were attacking the authority and the credibility of Paul, okay? Um, but you'll see in scripture that, that in order for, 
for those to believe in 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 God before before Jesus Christ, if you wanted to be a part of the Jewish faith, a part of the Israel faith, you had to believe in the law. You had to be circumcised. You had to be a proselyte, or you had to be uh, what they call well, no, I guess a God fearer. But you have to be a, a proselyte um, in order in order to to be. Uh, in order to be a believer. And so they took that, they still took that standard and added Jesus Christ, but they said, you just can't take Jesus, Jesus alone. You need, you still also need to convert to Judaism. So that was an issue. Okay. So that's a lot of teachings. Paul, he begins to teach on that. And the last one that I'm going to talk about is our, our Gnostics. Now you're going to see this term in in the book so i wanted to give you a definition of what gnosticism is okay so the name gnosticism comes from the greek word gnosis which means knowledge okay uh salvation they believe salvation could be achieved by obtaining a certain knowledge okay this philosophy was based on plato plato's dualism which taught that matter was evil and spirit was good so they they could not wrap their minds around uh, Jesus uh, being a man here on earth because they believe that flesh is bad, okay? Um, they believe that the God of scriptures could never have a connection with human um, in the way of coming to earth being a human. So they believe that all matter is evil and that the true God will never have parts in it, okay? They believe that he was the true son of God in spirit, but they did not believe that he was the true son of God in flesh, okay? Um, he could not have died on the cross, they believe that, you know, before he um, died on the cross, that his spirit left him before dying on the cross, okay? Uh, before way. agonizing on the cross, okay? Doesn't so, take away from a major aspect of who he was? Yeah, that does. Yeah, it takes away a huge aspect of who Jesus was. Yeah, so that, but they could not wrap their heads around it. They said, there's no way, because their flesh is evil you know? And so, um, and so they believe that if a man wished to obtain salvation, that he can do so by re renouncing the material world and by seeking the visible world. And so there's two aspects of Gnosticism is one is one far left, which is called asceticism. That means, you know, those are the people who really thought that, you know, flesh was really bad. They, they were not associated with any worldly things. They did not um, go through, go to any sporting events. Um, at that time, um, sporting events were, ve were very popular. They did not uh, basically socialize with the world. And we see that in a few denominations. I don't know about you all growing up in Pentecostal and all that stuff that you ain't supposed to uh, wear makeup. You ain't supposed to uh, go to the movies. You ain't supposed to, I, I got rebuked for playing cards in the house and all types of stuff because that was the stuff of the world that was like sitting in the seat of the world. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so if you did that, you weren't, you weren't saved. And so that is a, a, a branch of asceticism. That's a branch of Gnosticism. Now, the other side of Gnosticism is called, uh, this is called libertarianism or something like that, or it's called lusciviousness, meaning that since flesh is bad and you're not going to really be judged by your flesh, you could just do whatever, party up, like 
just just go ahead and act wild because at the end at the end you're only going to be judged by your spirit and not what you do in your flesh so that's a whole nother aspect of narcissism too okay um i just kind of <laughs> threw that out there any questions or concerns about what i just said or anything that i've said today i just see how there is such a how it has been over over years century uh how so much mixture yeah in religious beliefs that we have we have sampled yes. we have sampled in all sorts of uh ideologies and and theologies and beliefs that you know so i'm just interested to get to the core of the matter yeah <laughs> and it's and and even with that mother it's crazy too because this is why i think our um, our culture, even in America, is so jacked up and crazy at times because we always dipping. You know what I mean? Like everything you find, you know, I'd be like looking up, thinking about stuff we said about America. And I'm going, how do we get that? Because we took a piece of somebody else, something, threw it in there and tried to make it this extreme thing. And it's like, oh, we just eating everything. And no wonder our bellies hurt because we got so many ingredients. Like, you know, just from the angle of and then I'll shut up. You know, I'd like certain foods, but nobody ever told me it was milk in it. So here I am thinking I hate one thing, but it's like, no, because it's got bad ingredients in it that I had no idea and it's been making me sick for years. You know, and, and we're just like in prayer, we say stuff. This is what I mean in with this class and studying prayer. We say stuff and we know God hears us, you know, you know, but we say stuff that's not even scripture. We say stuff that was in, uh, imported in scripture or, or, or that was had nothing to do with, I mean, and so no wonder a lot of prayers ain't answered. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I always say too, like, man, it's hard when you've been engrafted into this culture so much. And then, you know, it's a couple of times I had to get up even while I'm ministering, praying or preaching. And I have to stop myself because I'm like, ooh, out of habit, I was about to quote something or say something, you know, or it comes out and I'm like, oh, I can't even take it back now. You know what I mean? Like, and you try to move on, but it's like, I hope ain't nobody hear that. <laughs> you know, I heard it. No, I'm yeah, yeah, that reminds me of, uh, remember, we learned that one scripture, in him we move, live, and have our being. And we realized that Paul was quoting philosophers. Yeah. Oh, up on that mount, he saw that, he saw that, that, that empty, and then just said in him. He's like, okay, let's move that, because technically, in him, we can move, live, and have our being, but that ain't what God, God didn't that say. That ain't what that. God said. Them philosophers, and what them, what they are. Uh, yeah, they were Great saying thinkers. that, too. yeah, it was a God that they used to say that, too. Yeah. Um, right, the, the because if you that, the, the, the great thinkers at that time, you had, yeah. uh, uh, what's his name? What's the you know all them people? It was the moon. It was the stars. It was the moon. It was the there's no end to this and all the these Zoroastrianism. <laughs> yes, that's part of Zoroastrianism, and that that was very heavy in that time. So that's why we need to really be careful on what we say. You need you know we're quoting things like you, like you say in prayer and all that stuff, but we gotta understand why they said it. Because it's probably something totally different. So that's why we have to understand, we have to answer these two questions when studying um, scripture is, 
what was what was said and what does it mean okay we have to because um, them saying something is totally different from what it means so they could say something but it totally has a different meaning and then uh then we have to factor in on what it means for us today yeah. or whatever because we talked about words and how words um in their time had a different definition from the words that we have today and so we talked about it that as well so any other comments or questions all right i think we're good <laughs> so next week we're going to um hit more into christology i just kind of uh I'm, I'm building it up uh we're gonna we're looking right now at the apostolic period looking at their belief system um uh, we're now um going to be leading up to um in your book when you, when you, when everybody gets their book um it talks about the nicene and chalcedon uh councils uh, we're going to look at that as well and look at how um, the beliefs from these various groups like the Gnostics and all these different gospels that were out there, how now Constantine's like, no, like we got too many belief systems out there. We're, we need to, we need to uh, uh, bring it down to just one. And that became the state religion in which we know today as Christianity. Mm -hmm. But the thing is behind Christianity it, it 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 didn't pan out too well so we're gonna kind of talk about that a little bit okay uh so if there are any other questions or concerns i will pray out uh hopefully y'all will get your book so uh the assignment is just to read the introduction the introduction is enough i'm telling you it's it's heavy uh some of some of us need a dictionary i got text i got threatening messages from tammy i got threatening messages from tracy <laughs> Uh, Miss Eva was like, uh, what is this Nicene and all this stuff? So. Um, so for everybody that is out of town, the book will be sent to your home. Um, for those who are at the church, uh, if I will get them hopefully Monday or Tuesday, so they'll be at the church. Um, if you happen to need your book, um, you can um, talk to Elder Lindsay. And while they are cleaning the church on Tuesday or Friday, if you happen to say, hey, can I just come by and grab it? We'll make sure if you've purchased one, we put it out in the mailbox so that you can just grab it that night. Okay, so uh, they will be at the church and we will give them out um, that way too. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you all. Just thank you, Elder Camilla and Pastor Wayman. Uh, I've just really enjoyed this Bible study. It is so learning so much. I can't wait to get my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be a, a <laughs> interesting <laughs> class. So uh, yeah, we're going to be learning about a lot about what we believe in today. Why do we believe? You know, so it's going to be very interesting. So uh, if there are any other comments or questions, I'm going ahead and pray out. So, uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that um, you are shining your light on your word, Father, and that we are able to uh, continue to dig deeper in your word and to understand what your word says and uh, to understand what it really meant, um, God, and um, what does it mean for us today? And so, God, um, continue to strengthen us, continue to illuminate your word. Um, I pray for those who are dealing um, with um, 
tearing down of, of old thoughts and old traditions and things that we've been learning throughout our, our church experience. And now we're coming to a light of, um, of truth. So I'm praying for their strength, oh God. And I'm praying for their faith, that their faith will not fail them, Father, but they will continue to press into you, Father. Um, they continue to look to you for you are the truth, Father. You are the light, God, and you are the one who set us free, oh God. So we will no longer be entangled in bondage, entangled in sin, and be uh, tricked by uh, the, the traditions of man, that we will continue to seek the mind of Christ, that we will um, start um, understanding your thoughts, oh God, and um, grasping and um, bringing in to us the things of the spirit. So we, we, are, we are so grateful and we, we love you and we worship you and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Everybody have a nice weekend. Have a great day. Thank you too.